Well, good morning again, and welcome everybody here, and welcome to everyone who's tuning in online this morning. Pastor Scott and a group from Ward Church are actually in Ireland, so they're watching right now. So good morning to you in Ireland. I don't know if it's morning there. Um, somebody knows the clock's better than me, but, but hello to you <laughs> in, in Ireland. Hope you guys are doing well over there. Good morning to our friends at Farmington Hills. They're glad to sit uh, together this morning, even though you're there virtually. We're one church, multiple locations, so uh, glad that we can all be together this morning. Today we continue our series in the book of Ecclesiastes under the sun. And in this series, we've been looking at these experiments that Solomon has conducted. He's tried various things in life to find meaning. He's tried power and wealth. He's tried pleasure. He's tried wisdom and education. He's tried these various experiments. And today we're going to look at some of the results of some of those experiments. But before we go any further, let's go in God's, let's go before our Lord's presence and pray. Father God, we thank you. We love you. We're grateful for the opportunity to worship and sing songs together like we just did. God, thank you for calling us to yourself today. I pray that you would move me out of the way, hide me behind the cross. I pray that I would decrease and that you would increase and be made much of in the lives of your people. Speak to them, God. You know where they are. You know what they're going through. You know what they're excited about. You know what they're worried about. You know what they're sad about. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would minister to them and touch them today. God, I pray that we would draw near to you as you draw near to us. God, we thank you and we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. February the 11th, 1990, Tokyo, Japan. Heavyweight champion of the world, Mike Tyson, steps into the ring to fight underdog Buster Douglas. Now, everyone expected Buster Douglas to lose this fight. He was a 42 to 1 underdog. Nobody expected Buster Douglas to win this fight. Mike Tyson had prepared an after party with his friends. They were going to go out on the town in Tokyo and have a good time after he beat up Buster Douglas pretty good. People have asked Tyson, what was he thinking before he stepped into the ring with Buster Douglas? Tyson said, I thought the guy was a nobody. I had knocked out many people who had knocked him out. This was going to be easy work. This was light work. Well, Tyson's disposition changed around round 10 of that fight with Buster Douglas. Around round 10, Buster Douglas, this underdog, this man of small reputation, he hit Tyson with a left hook. Then he hit Tyson with a right hook. Then he hit Tyson with an uppercut that sent him stumbling back. And then finally he hit Tyson with a final right hook that sent him to the ground on his knees looking for his mouthpiece. Tyson was knocked out. Buster Douglas has shocked the world. The crowd goes crazy. Nobody saw this coming. See, sometimes life can be very unpredictable. Sometimes the heavyweight champion of the world loses to an underdog. The smart kid loses the spelling bee. The high school dropout becomes a millionaire. 
a woodworker from a small town called Nazareth, is the Savior of the world and the Messiah. Life can be unpredictable. It doesn't always go the way that we think it should go. Sometimes unexpected things happen. Mike Tyson says this. Mike Tyson says, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. Everyone has a plan until they get punched in the mouth. The recording artist Andre 3000 once says this. He says, you can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. You can plan a pretty picnic, but you can't predict the weather. Sometimes we get punched in the mouth, and sometimes the raindrops fall on our pretty picnic. Life isn't always so predictable. And King Solomon knew this. As he had observed life for all of those decades, he came to the conclusion that life doesn't always go the way that we expect it to go. He says, I have seen something else under the sun. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold on. That doesn't make sense. Fast people win races. Like, that's why they train. You, you train to get fast so you can win the race, and the fast person wins the race. I'm training for a marathon. I've run one before. I'm not one of the fast people. I'm usually the one in the back, and the fast people are at home while I'm still running, right? Fast people win races. That's my experience, but Solomon says, no, no, no. Things don't always go the way you expect them to go. The battle doesn't go to the strong, nor does food come to the wise, or wealth to the brilliant, or favor to the learned. We're like, this is how life is supposed to go. This is how we expect things to work out. Strength, speed, power, beauty, intelligence. These are the things that we use to get ahead in the world. And if we just have these things, if we possess these tools, well, we can build the life that we've always wanted for ourselves and for those who we love. That's the way we expect things to go. I like the way that one author says it. She says, American culture has popular theories about how to build a perfect life. You can have it all. If you just learn how to conquer your limits, we are believers in the gospel of hustle, the gospel of efficiency, the gospel of time management. We are convinced that we need to just discipline ourselves into better routines, but the whole idea of a formula breaks down when it can't solve the problem of being a person. It doesn't solve the problem of being human. We can try to use these various techniques and listen to motivational speakers and read self-help books and hear from self-help gurus, but we can try all of these things to get fast and strong and beautiful and wise, but we can't build a life of perfection that protects us from the pain in this world. I wanna, I wanna specifically look at the gospel of hustle, the false gospel of hustle. Let's look at the gospel of hustle and what that looks like. It says, I'm a winner and I'm successful because I hustle. I'm protected from pain and loss because my lifestyle affords it. 
It says, me and God work to provide the life of my dreams. I'm the hero of my story. If I just can hustle hard enough, if I just can work hard enough, I can build that life that I've always wanted. I can, I can build that life of my dreams. I can with my hands and my education and my strength. This is the gospel of hustle that's very prevalent, but it's a false gospel. Because any gospel, gospel that's based on human ability is a false gospel, and it's a limited gospel, and it can only accomplish, it can only accomplish so much. Solomon says, time and chance happen to them all, regardless of how successful you are, how wealthy you are, what zip code you live in, how good of shape you're in. Time and chance can happen to us all, and it does happen to us all. That word time, that word time means the various seasons of life. That means we all will experience the various seasons of life. That word chance means incidents. We all will experience the various seasons of life, and we all will experience the various incidents that life has to offer. No matter who we are, where we are, we'll experience all of these seasons. One thing that I like about Michigan, I've been here for a couple of years now, is that in Michigan, you get all of the seasons. Sometimes you get all of the seasons in one day. You get all of the seasons. You get, you get winter, you get a second winter, you get spring, kind of, and then you get summer, you get fall. And regardless of where you live in southeast Michigan, you're going to experience all of the seasons. You can't, you can't hide from the seasons. You experience them all. We all experience them all. It's not like they get winter in Novi, but not summer. It's not like they get spring in East Detroit and Ann Arbor does it. We all experience it all. And Solomon says there are various seasons that we will experience. He says this in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. He says, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to plant, and a time to uproot. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up, a time to keep and a time to throw away. I'm sorry to my hoarders. A time to tear and a time to mend. A time to be silent and a time to speak. A time to love and a time to hate. A time for war and a time for peace. We all experience them all. And if you live long enough, you will experience all of these seasons. No one is immune from these seasons. And if we can be honest, sometimes these seasons just 
don't make sense. And sometimes there are seasons that we would rather not experience. There are episodes of the show that we would like to skip. But we all experience them all. And sometimes they don't make sense. Several years ago, when I was an intern at a church in Memphis, Tennessee, I was interning for one of our pastors. He was a younger pastor. He was 31 years old. He was a campus pastor for one of our campuses, and I worked alongside him pretty closely. His name was Sam, college athlete, played basketball for Sam Houston University in great shape, always kept the basketball in his trunk because he was always ready to play ball. Very active and fit guy, uh, married with three kids. Young pastor had just come to our staff. And one day, while he's sitting in his car at Starbucks, doing a devotional, he's reading his Bible outside of Starbucks, Sam just passed away. He just left us right there. He passed away in his car, reading his Bible at 31 years of age, doing a devotional. And to this day, it just doesn't make sense. That, that season just doesn't make sense. We say in our minds, a young, healthy person isn't just supposed to leave us like that. And he had three kids and a wife that he left behind. And as I look back on that season, and, and even today, I think to myself, God, that just didn't make sense. Same church while I was interning. I had a, quite a few experiences happen while I was interning there. I had what was considered, the, to me, the darkest day of my ministry, and nothing comes close to this day. When I was an intern, I oversaw our middle school ministry. And it was a normal Wednesday night. We were playing basketball with the kids, and they were just shooting around. And one of the kids named Jay came to me and said, Mr. Terrence, my, my, um, my arms are hurting. I don't feel too well. I was like, well, let's go sit down. And I put my arm around him, and, and I'll never forget, Jay was, was crying, and he, he was telling me his arms were hurting, and it had been hurting since he was at school. Jay was only 13 years old. I called his mother. I said, hey, do you want me to call an ambulance? Jay says he's, he's uh, not feeling well. He says his arms are hurting. She said, I'm about 10 minutes away. I'll come get him myself, and I'll take him. I'm sitting there with Jay. Um, and I got my arms around him. He, he, he's crying soon. His mother comes. Uh, Jay gets into the car. His mother says they drive uh, probably a block up the road, and he passes away in the car. Uh, passed away in the car, had a, had a heart attack in the car. Darkest day that I've ever, ever experienced in, in, in my time doing ministry uh, just didn't make sense still doesn't make sense. I was good friends with Jay's dad. I didn't, I, didn't have, I didn't have words, and I still don't have words. It just didn't make sense, and sometimes there are seasons of life where we're like, man, what is happening? Why is this happening? Why are we going through this season? Solomon, he speaks to this. He speaks to the fragility of life. He says, moreover, no one knows when their hour will come as fish are caught in a cruel net or birds are taking, 
taken in a snare. So people are trapped by evil times that fall unexpectedly upon them. Life. Life is fragile. It's fragile, just like glass. And we experience it from time to time where we see things aren't as stable and predictable as we think they are. Things can, can break. And if we've been around long enough, we know that life is fragile. And some things just don't make sense. A 13-year-old passing away while shooting basketball just doesn't make sense. And maybe you've experienced things that just don't make sense, but they expose the fragility. They expose the fragility of this thing. Sometimes we walk around with a false sense of security, but the reality is this life is very fragile. And we respond to it in different ways. How do we respond? Sometimes we respond in apathy. Like, why even try? Like, why even care? This thing is predict unpredictable anyway. Why even invest my heart in it? Why even try? Sometimes we respond that way. Sometimes we respond in anger. And that's okay, because maybe you've experienced something and you're angry. You're like, oh, why did that happen? Why did God allow that to happen? You can expect me to be honest with you, War Church. I have those days still. I'm like, ugh. When I think about my, my father passing uh, in this Lucas birthday, and I'm like, ugh, I wish he was here for that. Why did that, why did that happen? And some, so, so sometimes we feel anger. Sometimes it's anxious worrying. You're just waiting for the glass to break again because you know it's going to break again. You can't really enjoy today because you you worried about the glass breaking again. Some people take the YOLO approach. YOLO simply means you only live once. Life is fragile, so I'm going to live it up. I'm going to party it up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do whatever. Who cares about anything? I'm going to live this life to the limit. Nothing else matters. YOLO. And that's some people's approach. That's sometimes our approach to the fact that life is so fragile. Or maybe it's self-preservation. We just try to make this life as comfortable and safe, as cushy as possible, because we know that it's fragile. All of these are an attempt to protect ourselves from pain. And so, because we know life is fragile, we say, well, I'm just going to bubble wrap this baby. Life is fragile. I'm going to bubble wrap it, and I'm going to protect myself from hurt. I'm going to stay away from certain people. And I'm not going to let myself get close to anybody or anything. I'm about to bubble wrap my life. I'm not going to believe in anything too hard because when you believe too hard, you know, you get hurt. So I'm not going to take too many risks. I'm going to play it safe. I'm going to bubble wrap my life. But the reality is, even when you bubble wrap this thing, the reality is it's still fragile. We can bubble wrap it with as many layers of comfort as we would like. But our zip code can't protect us from life. Our money can't protect us from life. Our attempts to be tough and to keep other people out can't protect us from life. Our apathy can't protect us from life. This bubble wrap is still pretty fragile. 
It's like, you just, you let it pop. You trust in this? This is a false sense of security. You trust in yourself to keep you safe? That's what it's like. This won't preserve us. It's a false sense of security. And sometimes God will remove your bubble wrap. And from your perspective, it looks like a crisis because things that you've wrapped yourself with become unstable. And sometimes God removes all of that false security just so he can place you in his hands so that you can know that he is enough, that you are eternally secure in his hands. Yes, we are fragile, weak human beings. We are limited. We are weak in and of ourselves. And there are dangers in this world. But that bubble wrap can protect you for a limited amount of time. The resources that we acquire in this life can protect us for a limited amount of time. But God can protect us forever. And that's what he wants us to know. See, Solomon wrote Ecclesiastes from a human perspective. From a human perspective, life is just time, randomness, time, and chance. From a human perspective, things are just happening. It's just chaos. We're just atoms, <laughs> right? We're, we're just evolved creatures, some people might say. That's, that's, the, that's the human seat. That's the human perspective. But from God's seat, he sees the bigger picture. See, God is driving. He's in the front seat. And you and I are in the back seat saying, are we there yet? You, you and I are in the back seat saying, hey, why did you make that turn? That turn didn't make sense. We're in the back seat saying, why are you going so slow? Can you speed this thing up? We're in the back seat saying, why do we stop here? This stop makes no sense. But he's in the front. He says, I'm driving you somewhere. I have purpose for your life. And I know these twists and these turns and these stops. And sometimes the pace doesn't make sense, but I'm leading you somewhere. This is going somewhere. There's a purpose for this. And it might not make sense yet, but I promise you, once we get there, it will. We just have to let him drive and not try to drive the car from the back seat. Not try to drive the car from the passenger side. He has the perspective. He can see things that we can't see. Our universe isn't a universe of random chance. I like the way the Heidelberg Catechism says it. It says, all things come not by chance, but by his fatherly hand. Your life isn't random chance. Your life is in the hands of God, and he is guiding he is directing, and he's doing all of this with purpose. I like the way one scholar says it. They say, we do not live in a chance universe, but a universe in which God is intimately, lovingly, wisely, and mysteriously guiding the lives of his people. Another way to put this is God is at work. God is a working king. He's not a king that just sits back in his office as things happen in the world. No, he's a God that is actively working in this world. God is a working king. God is at work. He's at work in the details. He's at work in the big things. He's at work in the things you can't see. He's at work in the things that don't make 
sense right now. God, God is at work. He's, he's up to something. He's at work. And if you're in a season right now where it doesn't make sense, I just want to read these scriptures over you. It says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. God is ruling. God is working. He's at work. His kingdom rules over all. Everything that's happening is under his sovereignty and under his control. Let's continue to look. It says, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples. But the plans of the Lord stand forever, stand firm forever. The purposes of his heart through all generations. He's at work. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. God is at work. He's working it all out. I want to look at Romans. I want to read this for you. Let's look at Romans. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. God has been working an eternal plan, predestining you to himself, orchestrating events, bringing people into your life, allowing you to experience certain things, even pain, all of that to draw you to himself. He's been calling you, wooing you. He might be doing that for someone now. You're not here on accident. Everything that God is doing He's doing it to draw you to himself, to justify you. His son died on a cross to justify you and to declare you righteous. He's been at work orchestrating an eternal plan for all times. And he has an end in in mind. That end is to glorify you, to to, to bring you uh, before himself one day. And you will be glorified in his presence. He's working it all out. He has a plan. He's up to something. My two-year-old daughter, when she gets quiet, she's busy. When my two-year-old daughter is quiet, I know she's up to something. In the same way with God, he may seem quiet, but you better believe if, if, even if he seems quiet, he's up to something. Our God is always up to something. Our God is at work. He's at work. And even when you are up to something bad, he is up to something good. And even when you think that you are up to something good, God is always up to something better. Some of you know that there were times in your life, and I know there have been times in my life where I have not been up to something good, when I was up to something bad, and God confronted me and stopped me and turned me around because he was up to something good. Some of you have that story. God met you. And maybe you were up to no good, but God was up to something. 
And, and even when you think you're up to something good, maybe you're like, man, I have these good plans, and maybe they're not working the way that I want them to work. Friends, surrender your good plans to the good God. Because even when you think you're up to something good, God is up to something better. He can't mess up a good plan. That's not what he does. And you and I find peace when we rest in God's work. He doesn't sleep at night so that you can. Let's go before him in prayer. Dear God, you're up to something. God, I pray for my brother or sister who's in a season right now that, that just doesn't make sense. I pray that they would rest in your works, that you would show them that you are enough and that you have a plan and that you are up to something. God, forgive us for doubting you and help us with our unbelief. Forgive us for bubble wrapping our lives with these feeble things that in the end don't really protect anything. They just give us a false sense of security. Help us to rest in you. Give us that blessed assurance that we sing about. It's in your son's Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and receive the benediction, brothers and sisters. God is up to something. He's always up to something, and you can trust him in that. He's not asleep. <laughs> Amen. He's not, he's not forgotten about you. He's in every detail. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forever. Go in peace, brothers and sisters. Be blessed. Have a good day.